Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.
Hi everyone, um, we've got a really brilliant interview with you today with Beth. Um, I'm going to hand over to her, let her introduce herself and tell you a little bit about her journey and some of the um, exciting projects she's been doing. So over to you Beth. Hello, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to get this opportunity to have a chat with you. Um, I, my name is Beth Kempton. I am an author, a um, producer of online courses for creative people. I'm a mother of two daughters. I absolutely love nature and the wilderness and adventure and lots and lots of things that I, I don't really know what order that all goes in. Um, and I found in the last couple of years, I've been calling myself many different things as I've been trying on new hats because I, for the last few years, I've been behind the scenes mostly mm -hmm. producing courses for other people. And then I kind of stepped into this new life as a creative professional myself. So um, learning lots um, <laughs> as I go. Um, but I hope uh, some of those experiences can be of value to people today. Oh, definitely. I'm sure it will be. Um, and how have you found making the transitions between these different roles and wearing the different hats? It's always interesting. <laughs> no two days are different for sure. Um, I think the the most tricky thing for me has been the uh, public face that comes with being a professional in the creative industries these days. Mm -hmm. You cannot be that writer in my case a writer who sits in their writing chair at the end of their garden and sends a book to a publisher and then just moves on to the next book it's not <laughs> how it works these days and and it's interesting actually someone at my publisher said that um these days we don't just look for writers we look for talent as in entertainment talent you know you okay. need to be able to speak on a big stage you know host a <laughs> podcast have a big social media following or at least growing your social wow. media following have some kind of platform there's all sorts of things that are part of it that involve you putting your face and name and opinions out in the world mm -hmm. in a way that you can't just do within the safety of the pages of your book and I think that was partly I I think I was head in the sand about that and then realized you know I have to have a website with my name and face on it and all of that um and but it's interesting because I've been producing courses for people who I've been asking them to do that mm -hmm. um over the, the past few years and I've got a real sense of what it's been <laughs> what it's like to be in their shoes um I think the um that is the, is probably um, the the biggest challenge. So not so much the juggling work, because that makes it really interesting, having different roles and different days to do different things. But I think the putting yourself out there is always going to be the most challenging thing. And I don't think that ever goes away, to be honest. You know, <laughs> whatever scale it ends up as, you're still, if you're sharing your creativity with the world, you're coming from a vulnerable place and not everyone's going to agree with you or like what you do. Um, but hopefully more people do than don't. Yeah. And that you just stay true to why you're doing what you're doing and then you can just ignore the voices that um, that you don't appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually been really lucky. At, I mean, my, my book's my first book and had really amazing feedback and it, it really helps, but I'm also trying to be really conscious about... I, I'm not writing in order for people to say those things. I'm writing in order to have a particular impact in somebody's life and I think it's quite easy to get sucked into that criticism positive or negative you know the feedback one way or the other and be affected by it and I'm really trying to let that wash over me you know mm -hmm. take it when I need the confidence but also just not make that why I'm doing what I'm doing okay and how did the book come about was it something that you've always wanted to do or did somebody approach you about it it's quite a strange story <laughs> actually I've, I've always wanted to write a book in that I've always loved writing from when I was little um but it's certainly not that I had a dream for this particular book 
and it's taken years and it, it came about. What what actually happened was I was incredibly busy to the point of overwhelm with all of my business and um, having a very small child. Uh, she was about 18 months at the time and being very heavily pregnant with a second <laughs> and just shelling out money left, right and centre to solve any problem and just... I just got very caught up in saying yes to, to all the people that I was responsible to but and, and not really giving any time to myself. And there was just one particular day when I collapsed on my bedroom floor going, you know, what is, is going on? Is this the one you speak run, about in the book? Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I run a company called Do What You Love and right now I just want to go back to bed. And, <laughs> and it was a real, um, it was a real moment of realising that, um, although I'm somebody who's really consciously tried to make decisions throughout my life to take me in a direction that makes me happy, also life can cut, catch up with you when it starts to pick up pace too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sometimes you need to take a step back. And I had the, this great opportunity of maternity leave to take this step back. Um, and the day that I w- realised this, I actually started to have these flashbacks of my earlier life. I was quite an adventurer in my 20s and went all over the world. And I saw myself there and and felt a real disconnect from who I was at that moment. Mm -hmm. And a sense of, she had definitely freedom in her life and a lack of freedom in my life. And it it was a really strange thing. And I really wanted to figure out what was going on. Like, why had I built my life in this way that was trapping me, mm-hmm. um, especially for somebody who did what I did, didn't make any <laughs> sense at all. Um, and to understand whether other people were going through the same thing, which it turned out they were. <laughs> many, many people are feeling trapped in their lives. And also what we could do about it. And so what happened, really the timing was incredible. I took five months off maternity leave. The first time around I had four days off. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Edinburgh with a 10-week-old baby recording, like filming in the course. <laughs> the first time around it was insane and I think I was part of the problem you know I just thought nothing would change and mm-hmm. of course as you know everything changes so yeah. I you know I just had to accept that but um so what happened was um I had this break from maternity leave five months beautiful little second baby a really happy summer um living in Brighton walking up and down the seafront thinking about this big question of freedom um, it was the first time in a long time I'd had the time and space to think about something like that. Mm-hmm. And the idea just became something which felt like it could be a book. Yeah. Um, not in a not in any real I need to make this happen kind of way, but just it just felt naturally like it would it would make a book. Um, and so I turned it into a book proposal just really as a project for myself mm-hmm. on maternity leave. And I sent it around to a few friends and my husband sent it to one of his friends who is a literary agent, uh, mostly for novels, but as someone who's seen a lot of book proposals, we you know, thought it would be great for her to have a look. And she phoned me up and said, I want to sell it for you. Oh, wow. And she ended up getting me a deal with my dream publisher, which was Hay House, <laughs> and the rest is history. <laughs> um, it was, but it happened so fast. I mean, the, the little girl that I was pregnant with when I had that really low day has just turned two. Wow. And the book is out, has been out in the world for, you know, five months. So things happen really fast when you, I, it really felt like the universe was helping me in many ways in the writing process mm-hmm. to bring that book to life. Yeah. Um, you know, I am a freedom seeker and it, 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 I really felt like I wrote myself free in mm-hmm. writing that book. So it was for me as much as it's for everybody else. Okay. Oh, that's such an amazing story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like many things in life, I couldn't have planned it. Mm. Yeah. It's lovely when things like, happen organically and I think if you'd maybe sat down and made the decision to do it it might not have happened the same way if you had all of that pressure trying to do it 
absolutely and I think that's the key I think sometimes we're so committed to our creativity and wanting to make you know a professional creative career work that we put too much um pressure on ourselves whether that's because of financial reasons or because of you know this is my thing and it has to work the way I think it's going to work that's when we kind of kill the genius Mm -hmm. I think and that somehow taking the pressure off whether that's by having a part-time job or just you know giving yourself a bit more of a gentle deadline or allowing yourself to have you know an artist date as Julia Cameron would say all those kinds of things they really matter because I think what the brilliance with so much creativity is that you don't know what's coming you don't know what's deep inside and if you try and plan the route too much you're not you how how can you do that when you don't know what's coming Mm -hmm. and so it's it's almost like your job is to make the space and allow it to emerge rather than try and just dig one really small tunnel and hope that it goes down that way (laughs) okay um can you take us right back to the beginning and talk us through the different stages of your career and how one thing progressed to the next yeah I mean to go right back when I was a child I was very very creative without giving it that kind of name you know if you if I had a spare day I would be in the dark room that my dad built in the garage um you know with with my black and white film <laughs> turning it into these magical pictures or oh wow <laughs> do you remember how to do that I might need some tips <laughs> still do that in dark rooms do they oh well i've yeah i've just actually bought a um um not one i've, I've got an obsession with these um diana mini cameras um doing low <laughs> lomography um so yeah definitely i think um i think that's a trend that's coming back so yeah <laughs> we might need a second follow-up so I was doing that or I was on my I actually had a typewriter not in the days that they look nice on Instagram but when that's how you type and I'm not I'm not actually that old I'm only 40 but I, I had a typewriter and I used to type play scripts and then direct them you know when I was about eight, stuff like all sorts of stuff like that or summer holidays I just want a project and I'd make a scrapbook of everything I ate that holiday oh my gosh <laughs> things like that and and that was just that was just natural that's what I love to do and then I uh, through a very strange um, series of events that you read about in Freedom Seeker, I ended up studying Japanese at university, even though I couldn't speak a word of it, as you do. Um, and that really took me into, um, I, I went to live and work in Japan after university, and I ended up spending quite a long time in Tokyo, and, and fell into the sports industry, which is very, very different from the creative industry. It's very male-dominated, and it's all about money and competition and all those things. And what I think the most important lesson I learned there was just because you're good at something doesn't mean you should do it. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I, I got really good at my job um, and just and I did that for many years and I had some amazing experiences, but I'd completely lost my connection to creative things. You yeah. know, we used creative thinking at work, but that was kind of the extent of it. And then one day, um, uh, I don't know, about probably 10 years ago or more now, um, I, I picked up this book. I don't know how it got into my hands but I remember lying in bed reading it um, and it was called Flying Lessons are you still there? yep I'm still there yep you've <laughs> just gone <off> with you. <laughs> it was called it was called Flying Lessons by um, a mixed media artist from the US called Kelly Ray Roberts okay yeah and it was a story of how she became an artist um, at, at about the age of 30 she she thought that she couldn't run and she ended up run, running I think it was a half marathon And she really surprised herself that she could do the things she thought she couldn't do. And so then she thought, well, what about being an artist? Something she'd always wanted to do, but thought it was impossible for her. 
And so she started to explore that. And basically, she's ended up being one of the most popular mixed media artists in the US now. She has a massive thriving business. And this book, it was a mixed media kind of a um, demonstration book, but it also had a story woven into it. And I remember reading it and thinking, I really want to meet her, which makes me sound like a weird story. <laughs> but you know, like sometimes you just get a real connection with someone when you um, read their story. And so I went online and uh, I saw she was teaching at this workshop. So I booked myself a place and then I realized it was in California, which was like 5,000 miles away. <laughs> um, so I, I booked a plane ticket. Um, and it's funny because that workshop, we joke, it, it was about, it was making a, um, a book, a really simple book um, with lots of mixed media techniques and stuff in it. And, and it's like the world's most expensive book. And meet her and learn from her. But um, I went to this retreat and it was in the shadow of this redwood forest in San Jose in California. And it was just one of those incredible experiences that I'll never forget. I remember a moment I was sat in the dining room surrounded by about 100 all American women mm-hmm. um, and it was just the most wonderful atmosphere everyone was so excited to be there and so like so happy that they had connected with all these other people who were just like them <laughs> and creative like them and had dreams like them um, and I remember thinking I want to feel in my work like I feel at this retreat right now okay. <laughs> um, and I didn't know what that meant right then um, I had some ideas but no kind of big plan that just then but I knew that I didn't want to forget that 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 was a really important thing for me that idea of um connection and and creative women doing amazing things mm-hmm. and one thing I did realize when I got back to the UK was that um those women had probably all gone back home to their homes all over America on their own away from this community of women um and gone back to their daily life mm-hmm. and lost they just had the memory of what they'd done but probably um, gone back to their jobs and all of that and and I started to think well if they could do that creative thing as a job as their own business then they get to do that all day long mm-hmm. that's amazing <laughs> and maybe there's some things that I've learned in my work in the corporate world with you know some of the biggest names in the world um in sport big brands um who things that I could bring yeah. to that, you know, principles of business, that I could kind of connect these people with those ideas and help them make that um, dream a reality. I had absolutely no idea how I was going to do it. I didn't know what a blog was. <laughs> it was it was just a concept. Um, and the first thing I actually did was um, I came back and set up a blog and I had a little um, uh, target for myself of having 10 followers um, within a week or something, which you know that was quite a big thing after not knowing what a blog was. But there were, I think there were fifteen people in my class, and every single one of them followed my blog. So I was like, oh, smash that target. <laughs> that was really, and that was really exciting. The idea of um, the, the online world, which was really, really new to me. I mean, it was very early in the world as we know it now, yeah. the digital world. But um, and so the first thing I actually did was organize a creative retreat um and when I look back on it now it's quite amazing we had one of the founders of Etsy come and talk um and we had some amazing creative workshops and talks about business and it was kind of a a beautiful space for people to play with these dreams and Mm -hmm. figure out how they're going to make them um a, a reality but I figured out very quickly that the kind of luxury retreat that I wanted to run wasn't a very good business model. <laughs> it's break even, but you know, we didn't make any money, and that was not going to be my thing. <laughs> um, 
Um, and at the same time, I was discovering about online courses. There were, there were hardly any in the area of creativity and personal growth, um, but there were one or two. Mm-hmm. And I think my na- naivety helped me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I created one, and it's very weird. My, my very first course, I was actually the teacher, and it still runs to this day. No, it's called Do What You Love, and um, it was based on the idea that, um, you know, uh, there's this theory of if you work on anything for 10,000 hours, you become an expert, Yeah. Um, and the, I was thinking, wait, what have I done for 10,000 hours that isn't my job, and one of those things was study Japanese, I'm like, okay, that's not really <laughs> going to help me in this area. <laughs> And the other thing was go on adventures, which which sounds crazy, but actually I was like, I'm pretty good at going on adventures and making adventures happen, maybe without always having a big budget and just kind of being positive about opportunities in life. And my friends for many years have always said that all these crazy things happen to you. What is it that you do? <laughs> I was like, I don't really know. Um, that's an interesting thing to think about. And it ended up being um, my first online course called Do What You Love. And really things... Um, took off from there because I I created that and it was a very surprising big hit from the first one considering I had virtually no mailing list I was like where are all these people coming from it's very strange (laughs) um and then obviously with with feedback each time we um made it better and better and introduced video and you know then updated the video and it's become what it is today and along the way I ended up producing courses for other people who also didn't know what to how to do it but really wanted to share their teaching with the world mm-hmm. um, and for a while do what you love really became a production company for amazing creative people who um, want to teach online um, and then over time we've refined it so now we have two major partnerships makeartthatsells.com with Lilla Rogers and makeitindesign.com with Rachel Taylor mm-hmm. um, and then do what you love which which is do what you love for life.com my main site um, where I teach and also um, obviously is is the home of um, books and workshops and all those kinds of things. So it's definitely been an evolution, and we've had many missteps along the way, but also many really amazing moments of wow, we made that happen. Um, and the best thing is always the stories of the creative people that have gone on to you know build <laughs> these new lives for themselves, which is just the best thing. Yeah, definitely. I'm pretty sure that uh, quite a few of them will actually end up listening to this as well. <laughs> <laughs> Um, incredibly grateful for anybody who has ever taken one of our courses because this is what happens in becoming the customer of something creative you allow that creative person to do what they do yeah you know and it's definitely this uh, virtuous cycle and it's a really lovely way I think of looking at your customers and you know you as a creative person as a designer or whatever looking at the people who buy your things you know mm-hmm. they're allowing you to to live this life that you want to live and I think it's taking a moment sometimes to, to be grateful to them is really, really important along the way. Did you ever um, have moments where you were just like, oh my God, what am I doing? I can't do this. I'm just going to stand here right now. Yes. <laughs> um, day one. <laughs> day one, day two, day three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we definitely got into a rhythm. And what's really interesting was I think at the time that I felt most comfortable in I'm like right I know exactly what I'm doing we you know we're learning from the, we're always learning we're always looking out to what's going on in the industry and trying to keep you know keep up or be ahead of trend or whatever uh, and so I think the time that I got most comfortable and really confident about I know what I'm doing was the time that if anything I went off track away from what I actually love and following the money okay. it's really interesting and I had to bring myself back and go remember why you're doing what you're doing 
and make sure that you're not um, making your decisions just about what's the most um, financially um, viable or important or whatever. Um, and it's it's very interesting. And every time I do that and bring myself back and challenge myself, which is what makes life interesting, that's when I have that feeling all over again. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, you have to be a beginner to do stuff that's interesting and makes you feel alive. So mm. it's kind of an inevitable part of the journey. <laughs> And do you um, do you have any like standout moments that you, that just I don't know the, the the moments that you look back and you think wow this was all worthwhile because of X Y and Z. There was there was a moment on the stage at Ignite early this year. Ignite is Hay House's event for their authors. Hay House is my publisher. Um, I'd been to that event a year before as a somebody watch you know in the audience mm-hmm. and seeing these people up on the stage talking you know no notes telling stories <laughs> walking around with so much confidence um and talking about the books that they'd written and these big ideas they were having about the world and things and um i remember thinking i really really want to be on that stage i already had a book deal with hey house at that point so i knew that it was you know there is a possibility of it but mm-hmm only seven people or so speak at that event every year and they have a lot of authors. So, you know, it certainly wasn't a, um, a definite thing. And I, I really held that in my heart as something that I wanted to, to do along the way um, to speak at that event. And I wrote the best book that I could at that <laughs> time. And I took myself to Santa Fe in New Mexico to train with the very best speaking coach I could find in the world. Wow. Um, who, who is an amazing lady called Gail Larson, who teaches transformational speaking. So it's really storytelling from the heart with no notes. It doesn't mean you don't plan, mm-hmm. but you don't have notes. And um, it's really um, how to speak that in a way that kind of changes people's minds. Uh-huh. It's very, very powerful. Um, so I did lots of things like that. Um, and then I ended up being invited to speak at that event. And I remember being <laughs> the day that... Um, it, it actually it took place a couple of weeks before my book was officially published, mm-hmm. but because it was Hay House's own event, they actually had some copies of the book in their bookshop ahead of the publication date. <laughs> but it was, and I'd been to the um, to the printers actually to see my book come off the press, <laughs> which was an amazing experience. And it came off next to the latest version of Harry Potter. Oh which wow! Was quite exciting. <laughs> yeah. With this like super secret special edition cover that we've seen, it was very exciting. Um, and that that was a brilliant experience, but my book has the English version of my, the UK version of my book has um, sprayed blue edges, and that is something that's done in a different factory to the printing factory. Okay. Um, and so I hadn't seen an actual finished copy. And when I turned up um, at the event place, they had just before I went on stage, someone was like, "Oh, your books have turned up." So I walked into the um, to the bookshop and I saw them stacked up and they kind of stand out with some big stack of blue. Um, and I went on to the, and then, then I was like, Oh, I was onto the stage. And I was telling the story and it was the first time I'd told this story of, of feeling trapped and then finding this way of being free and how the book was a big part of that story. And I'm standing on the stage in front of 400 people and the, my book is standing next to me. And it's really the first time I kind of made that connection in my head. Like my daughter's not even two years old yet. And what a, what a turnaround yeah. in my life in just two years. And I made it happen. 
And that's kind of crazy, and it's making me emotional. And I don't want to cry, and I'm still talking, telling a story. Like, my brain's, like, on three channels. And it was a very weird experience. But that was really amazing. And then we had um, – it was funny. I came off the stage, and someone was like, right, you're going to sign books now. I'm like, book signing? Never done book signing before. And there was this queue of people around the corner, people crying, oh, and we wow. sold out of books. They were like, it's the, we never sell out of books from first-time author. Oh, my goodness. It was just the most wonderful day, and I got to meet so many – lovely people who are many of whom you know had been part of my journey as well you know people who come to support me at the event but also people like I never heard of you but your story was amazing <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure they meant it in a nice way about you never it was just a really incredible day and I think it was really the first day after maternity leave and kind of getting back into the fray of work that I actually stepped onto a public stage in any way mm-hmm. and I just felt like I was naked <laughs> um, but it wasn't as it was terrifying but also in the end it was a, it was a really amazing experience so that was definitely a moment I won't forget how long did you speak for 20 minutes oh wow 20 minutes no notes that's amazing yeah. <laughs> it's easy but it's definitely the best way to go and I, I did one recently um in America that was I think 30 mm-hmm. um again no, no, and it's interesting. I had kind of notes on the side just in case because it was longer, and then in the end, it's just like it's so much better. Just tell, just tell a story. That's mm-hmm. it's the best way. Wow. As you can see, I don't like to push myself at all. <laughs> you know, it's crazy, but you've got to throw yourself into these things. And even when something's scary, the feeling that you get after you've gone through that and come out the other side is just amazing. And then, like you said, you know that okay, I've done that one thing. What else can I do? So I think it's amazing. I think the deeper the deeper the fear, the higher the high when you overcome it. Yeah, that's amazing. Definitely. Like I actually don't like doing these interviews. I get absolutely terrified, but after I've finished it, I'm always elated that I've gotten through it without tripping over myself too much. So definitely <laughs> the way forward. If you if you hadn't pushed yourself, then there might be one person who's listened to this that really connects with my story, for example, mm-hmm. and pushes themselves to go and do something which you know, everything has a ripple effect. Yeah. So that's oh, good for you. <laughs> Don't say that yet. There's time for me to mess it all up. <laughs> 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 um, one of the other things I wanted to pick your brain about was work-life balance. Because like you say, you've got loads of things going on. Do you feel like you have um, some kind of a work-life balance? Do you think you've got that nailed? Or is it an ever-shifting thing that you're always trying to get a hold of? I feel like I know exactly what I need to like I think I I think I have the principles down pretty well like I know what works and what doesn't but I also I do take on too much so <laughs> this year has been really interesting so Freedom Seeker came out in April um and we I, I did something really stupid which was um what everyone does these days and you're encouraged to do which is give a uh, pre-order a special offer so if somebody pre-orders your book because that makes a massive difference on Amazon you know if you have a big hit on on your first day um, then they get a special free gift which is great I mean it's a really nice idea but I offered a course of a certain value of money which was more expensive than that do what you love our flagship course mm-hmm. and um, I, I did that on a certain piece of advice and then I realized afterwards well if it's twice the price it needs to be twice the content an unbelievable amount of work you know the other course I spent eight years you know or seven years whatever mm-hmm. finessing and yeah. then I had to create this whole course <laughs> at the time that my first book was launching and I was going on a tour in America and all this stuff going on and I ended up like in this uh, beautiful rented Airbnb in 
um, Portland in America filming yeah. this course because you know I just just the timing of it was it was crazy and so I think sometimes I do think I have more energy than I actually yeah. have yeah. Um, so that was a really big learning and what happened actually was this August we, we took a lot of time off um, as a as a family um, I turned 40 this year and one of my presents was time at this amazing cookery school in Devon River Cottage and I just had a big chunk of time to myself as well as with my young family Mm -hmm. Um, and we've got into a much better rhythm and I'm trying to to keep that now so I have the principles um (laughs) but obviously we all get distracted (laughs) okay that's good Uh, one one thing I would say is really really important which I do try and keep is when I'm with my children I'm with my children and when I'm with my work I'm with my work and I don't do I really don't do the two I used to and I think that was the the heart of the overwhelm and stress and mm-hmm. guilt and all of that you know yeah, yeah. playing with my baby when my head was in my inbox is never yeah. a good idea and what about um like obviously you do a lot online and with Facebook groups do you have a way of managing your time with things like that because obviously it can be quite intrusive with it being able to pop up on your phone or just the fact that you've got access to all of these things all of the time do you have any kind of restrictions that you put on yourself with when you'll check emails or check Facebook messages and things like that absolutely I mean the first thing I would say is most important is I have a team Mm -hmm. um so I don't do everything myself if I'm the teacher then absolutely I check that Facebook group um for the which is one of the reasons why nearly everything that we do is for um a set period of time if I'm the teacher Mm -hmm. you know I do five week courses or eight week courses whatever because then I can be present in that time And then outside of that time, I'm not in there. I think if you set up a lifetime access course, you are setting yourself up for trouble Mm -hmm. if you're supposed to be um, accessible to those people because, you know, you have your own obligations outside of that. And it's really one of the most important things, I think, is that say you're a designer teaching design, it's it's as important that you're a working designer as it is that you're a teacher. Yeah. And if you are teaching all the time, you can't be doing the design work, which is making you up to date on what's going on in the design world. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to, you know, to separate those two things. Um, And what I do in terms of email, um, apart from massively filtering out everything. So I use Mm unroll.me to put all of my um, email subscriptions into one email a day which I frequently delete without looking at it I mean I really I try not to get distracted by any of that stuff these days um but in terms of my projects so I said that we have make out the cells and make it in design and then my own things um I set aside a different day for each of those so for example make out the cells unless it's urgent I only answer emails to my team on a Tuesday um which sounds a bit difficult but actually everyone else has an expectation of when the reply is going to come they know if it's urgent they get an answer but actually it means that Thursday Friday I'm actually working on a big proposal for a new course or something like that mm-hmm. not getting distracted by an email about you know to sign off on something yeah. and that has made a massive difference to my work and I think if you don't work that way you think it's impossible oh my clients need me need access to me you know 24 hours a day mm-hmm. it's not true what your clients need is for you to do the very best job that you can for them. Yeah. And if that means being really strict about your office hours, as it were, then in the end that's going to allow you to serve them better. So sometimes I think it's just an education thing or a discussion. Um, and, and if that's what you want to do, then you also have to stick to that. So if you say, I'm only emailing on Tuesdays, and then you start answering emails on Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays, then it's just confusing and nobody will respect what you said. Yeah. But if you're as strict as you want other people to be, um, then it do, it does work, and I think if you're, I was thinking a bit like the creativity thing. I remember when I was writing my book, and 
I'd be working on something and then, you know, my phone would ring or, you know, I'd hear mummy from the other room or something. And I think of it like diving in the ocean for a pearl and reaching out to get that pearl. You've nearly got it. You're just there. And then you get sucked up to the surface by something. And then the chances of you getting back down to the bottom of the ocean and finding that pearl are virtually nearly. I mean, yeah. you're gone. Yeah. And that, that doesn't serve anyone. So I... I I take a you know taking it really seriously to take myself if I go to a cafe I go to a cafe with one job to do I'm writing that magazine article I'm doing that I'm not leaving until I've delivered that project or that contract or whatever um and it it makes a big difference and it makes it so much more enjoyable because it's just tiring for your brain if you're switching (laughs) you're doing things all the time Mm. Yeah, it's amazing how difficult it can be to switch tasks. The amount of time you lose trying to get into the flow of something else when you've been pulled out of it. I think one thing that we don't realise is we we think that people are always thinking not they're always thinking about us like where's that email, where's that answer, where's that weather. People are not. People mm-hmm. are too busy with their own lives. Yeah. So if you just give people a deadline and you deliver to your deadline or slightly earlier, I think the more that you. Um, make those boundaries and stick to what you say you're going to do, the more people will respect your, you know, time alone, time away. Yeah, great advice. Um, Speaking of advice, do you have any advice you would give your younger self if you could go back in time? You know what? I think the most important piece of advice I'd give my self straight out of university is buy a house as soon as you've got any money whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, I I think I had like this really kind of, this I had very strong wanderlust and um was I loved adventure and I did a ton of traveling and I think I gave myself this false belief that to have a mortgage is to be tied mm-hmm. um and you know obviously it doesn't mean that at all it just means you've invested some money and that money grows over time and I do think that is the one thing that's certainly something I'll be telling my daughters and <laughs> um, that to that freedom is not about it, it's the same that freedom is not about having no rules whatsoever um, it's about being making your own way within the rules that work for you. And if the rules don't work for you, then you can change the rules okay. or you know, do something about them. <laughs> but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean anarchy in the same way that having a mortgage doesn't mean that that's it. You're stuck forever in one place and yeah. can never go anywhere else on the earth. And I think I was so the other way in terms of. I need to be free and independent and, you know, off away from my family. And right now, I'm actually living in the town I grew up in. And if you told me that when I was 20, I'd be like, no way, I'm never going back. Not that, you know, my, this town's lovely. Um, but I was just so desperate to get away because of the big wide world out there. Yeah. Um, and I think as our lives change, we, it's really important to rethink things in the context of what's going on mm-hmm. um, at this point in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Probably not what you're expecting to say, but that's a big one. No, that's good. <laughs> good sound advice. For me, I think I did a lot of stuff right when I was younger. Sometimes I think my younger self was wiser than my older self <laughs> in terms of the, the uh, you know what she was? Maybe not wiser, she was braver. Yeah. And I think when I had children, I felt that I had lost a lot of my courage and it's coming back. Um, but I would definitely, you know, when I was younger, I would literally go anywhere to talk to anyone, yeah. try anything. And I think about things more now. Yes, yeah. Um, and I want to get more of that, you know, brazen bravery back again. <laughs> mm, that's very interesting. That's very true for me as well, actually. Yeah, does that resonate? <laughs> I mean, do you feel the same? Yeah, definitely. And this, especially about um, leaving home as well. Um, I did the exact same thing. Never thought I'd come back. Um, as soon as I was pregnant with my son, 
me and my husband moved back. We'd moved like five, six times to different cities and yeah, we came straight back and it's just, I think it was that I knew home and I knew what to expect and I knew that it would be a nice childhood and a nice upbringing. Mm. But now I feel as though I don't, with the bravery thing, like I, I, I'd take a job in a foreign country or in another city without really a second thought about it. But now there's obviously, I'm thinking about, I've got kids, I don't want to uproot them. I always yeah. overthink things, yeah. Do you do that as well? I do. I'm trying very consciously not to, mm. but it's hard, I think, when you have other people to consider, yeah. not just yourself. But I think there's a there's a real wisdom in the part of you that makes spontaneous decisions, mm-hmm. and you, you need to, I think, trust both of them. So you need your analytical brain to have its moment, and you need your intuition to have its moment, mm-hmm. and, you know, allow both of them to inform your decisions. Yeah, I think that's a key word there, intuition because a lot of the time when you're younger it's it feels like it's a whim but maybe it is more intuition and I felt I always felt like um if I took a risk and if something was scary that it would be worth it and that it would work out in the end whereas now I think I have that second thought where I'm like well what if it doesn't work out where I didn't have that before (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> I have to say though I, I agree with you but also I think that having your own business for several years um I think you get to a point where you're like you know what if it doesn't work out I've you know I've started something from nothing before yeah. I could do it again yeah that's you, a good point. And, and that's a really important thing especially in this day and age mm-hmm. and the economy as it has been for years to have that confidence in yourself that you can you can make things happen you don't have to rely on somebody else giving you a job yeah I think even with um, with design as well, you kind of sometimes get to the point where you make something amazing and you feel like you can never make that again or what if I can't do something as good as that? And it's like, well, I made something literally out of nothing. I can do it again. I think it's, yeah. it's sometimes hard to remember that. Is there anything else still on your um, your big wish list or anything that you still want to do? Absolutely. I think the number one thing I really want to do right now is make the most of the precious moments of my children's childhood. And that sounds kind of a obvious thing to say but it does go so fast mm-hmm. and um I think what I've come to realize is that a lot of the things that I love to do I can do with them yeah it doesn't have to be doing you know time for me time for them of course I need time for me too but it's not either or you know there's a lot of things that can be together whether that's baking or making something or you know I'm writing something while they're trying to you know they're doing their writing mm-hmm. I say writing and it's one of them's two years old <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, one of her first words Right, right, and she loves to pick up a pen and. Oh. Um, so I think that is right now. That is my number one thing, and I think probably a part of that, like creating a safe and secure home where they feel happy, is part of the reason why I've you know come back to where I grew up and all of that. I mm-hmm. I know that in the future there are so so many places left in the world to see and things to try and all that, uh, but I'm quite content right now that that can wait and that there are adventures to be had at home yeah okay brilliant okay well thank you so much for your time it's been a really insightful interview um i really appreciate it. i know how busy you are and i'm going to make sure i put all the links for where people can find your audiobook the kindle book and the um the actual real physical book <laughs> um <laughs> and i'll also pop in links to your website as well if people want to follow you or get in touch, what's the best way to do that? You can find me on Instagram at Beth Kempton. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Do What You Love XX. 
um, websites. There are there are four that might be of interest. That sounds like a lot, I know, <laughs> but, you know. Um, BethKempton.com, which is the one where you can see my face in a really big way, and then you'll see why I was intimidated by putting it out. <laughs> Um, do what you love for life.com, which is where you find the courses that I teach. Um, Makeitindesign.com, which is uh, with Rachel Taylor, and makeartthatsells.com, which is with Lilla Rogers, the art agent. Um, and they're all places where there's lots of courses that you can sign up for and get amazing education, but there's also lots of free resources and inspiration on all of those to help you on your journey to becoming a creative professional or just living a more creative life, which is, you know, I think a just happier life. Harder. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me and thank you for, for doing this. It's, I think it's so important to share our stories um, because from the outside, our lives can all look shiny and easy and they're really not. No. <laughs> doing the vulnerable thing of living a creative life. So thank you so much. <laughs>